There are two parts of the hero's journey that hold great resistance, beginning the journey and the return. How can we return after our spiritual journey, discovering ourselves and finding such freedom to return back from whence we came, bringing our healing gifts into our community? Today, we work with Renee Barabol, the practical shaman, and we are going to have a wonderful conversation about how to bring our gifts and service to the community. Join us to find out more. Soul Nectar Show, the Soul Nectar Show. You're invited, delighted to discover who you are. Anything is possible. Well, hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our connection and our story to that which is greater than us, the great mystery beyond the veil and those synchronistic moments that lead us inexorably towards a deeper understanding of ourselves and others. I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird, and today we're going to have a conversation that I know many of you in my audience are like, nah, I don't wanna. I like where I am in my bubble of happy. I don't wanna return. You guys know the hero's journey. We took the wake up call. We went on the great departure. We healed ourselves. We learned about healing. We learned that we were energy. We found out we were souls. Oh my goodness, I didn't even know that. We went on this great epic tale with Mother Earth and we found out through the mystery who we are and we developed these amazing gifts that we didn't even know we had. And then we started practicing and we figured out how to make our lives really great and we are in our bubbles of happy. And then the hero's journey has the call to return. And we're there, you guys, we're there. And I I know it's like, I don't know. I like my happy bubble. I did my work. I don't want to go do that. But that's where we need to be, you guys. We need to bring our healing gifts back into the community. So how do we motivate ourselves to do this? How do we bring those gifts in a way that can be received? How do we bring those gifts in a way that people will understand? Because they may not understand the shingle on your door that says, I'm a healer. They go, what is that? They may not get that, and that might not be what they need from you. They might just need your presence. So we're going to have a great conversation today. I'm so excited. Renee Barbo is here with us. Welcome, Renee. Hello. So glad you're here. So Renee is the practical shaman, a renowned spiritual leader with a gift for ancient wisdom. As a Nautilus Gold Award-winning Hay House author of Winds of Spirit, Ancient Wisdom Tools for Navigating Relationships, Health, and the Divine, Renee has captivated readers with her profound insights and practical guidance, and her shamanic wisdom has transformed countless lives, and her upcoming book, The Practical Shaman, promises to be the transformative guide that delves into ancient wisdom practices that create and navigate the innerverse and offers readers tools to resident to restore their balance and power and tap them into that innate power within. So I, this is a conversation right up Renee's uh, 
your your sphere of influence. So tell us a little bit, Bob, for yourself, you know, your own heroes, your heroine's journey. How'd you come across all these gifts of wisdom? And then how do you, because I know that you do bring yourself back into the mainstream. How do you do that? How how do you see that? So let's start off with you. We want to know more about you, Renee. Well, it's really nice to be here with you, Carrie, and meet you and your community. So I thank everyone in advance who are listening. And what a great topic on the the hero's journey and coming back around and coming back in to this uh, main mainstream because we can't live in those. I call it your spiritual basalts. It's time to get out of those spiritual basalts and come back into your community. You know, I think I think the COVID experience was just such a thing where we 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 saw oh oh I can connect to everyone in the world. I can sit in my living room and talk to everyone. And then you hang up the Zoom and you're feeling isolated and alone and uh, disconnected. And so a great part of my work is is finding finding that taproot of, of how I feel that connection in absolutely everything I do, every way I, everywhere I walk. And this journey started, uh, my shamanic journey started a long time ago, but my journey back to home began about 10 years ago when I was writing Winds of Spirit. Those of you who've never seen it, oops, can't see it here anyway, but Winds of Spirit. And I was at a place where I was creating coaching clients and I was creating content and trying to earn a living. And I'm there like, well, how am I going to write a book trying to build a business and earn a living? And all of a sudden in front of me came this job. And they were looking for an event planner who was a marketer, who was a healer. And I'm thinking, well, those three things don't fit in the same sentence, but they did. And lo and behold, I got the job and it was in behavioral health in an addiction treatment center. And I've been working in the behavioral health care industry for the last 10 years. Now I'm writing my second book. And I found that I really needed that taste back in. You know, that was the nectar that I needed because I had really gotten a little bit burnt out on the spiritual community where everyone was like, oh, spirit told me and this and that. And, you know, but why am I not making a living doing it? And, you know, all of these concepts when I do believe we needed at one point to be taken out of the journey in order to have that awakening. But now I think it's time to be brought back home. Like one of the things that I do in my active day is on the board of the HOA. Now, I always used to think those were jobs for retirement, but one of my jobs is I'm responsible for the beach, the beach committee. And last night we brought in this this woman who taught us how to make brooms. And I was looking around the circle and she was teaching brooms so she could get her dream work out there. She thought no one's going to come to the dream circle, but if I teach them how to make a broom, they're going to come. And lo and behold, it was a real mixed bag of people who you wouldn't have seen at a shamanic circle 10 years ago, but they were there to learn how to make brooms. And when you got into each of them, one woman was totally living off the land and the other was doing something equally as impressive. So while we were studying shamanism, they were studying gardening. Yeah. And that's another pathway in because it's mother earth, right? So we have many pathways to understanding ourselves at these embodied 
you know, we're at the part of the embodiment of spirituality now. And I think that's why people are returning to the earth, returning to however they get there, returning to the earth. We got to return to our bodies and bring our attention, our spirituality, our healing into our bodies. And, you know, like you said, a lot of spirituality up until now has been in the branches of the tree. Well, that tree has roots too. And we got to, we got to get in the roots of the tree as well as the branches in order to, you know, if you have a tree that's all branches, that thing's going to fall over, you know, so you got to have roots, right? And roots is a community, roots is your body, roots is the earth, you know? So that's so interesting that people came in to learn how to make a broom. They're like, I want to know how to do this. Right. And then they might've found out, oh, wait a second. There's a tradition about this. There's a ritual here. There's a ceremony. Oh, what is ceremony? I didn't know about ceremony. I only knew I was returning to the earth. Tell us more about that. That sounds so fascinating. It was really fascinating. And so she's been going to these spiritual camps, these like uh, survival camps, where they go on for a week, uh, you know, learning how to live basically off of nature. And she realized she needed a way in. And when she went to the Appalachia, learned how to make these brooms, then she started to learn about the fibers of the broom and the stories behind the brooms. And, you know, one of my shamanic teachers, whenever she came before she would uh, set up to do her, her sessions would be sweeping the whole patio, actually a few of them. They'd be sweeping the whole patio. They'd get out their brooms and they wouldn't ever really tell you that they were, you know, preparing the energy. But one of the best ways we have is to sweep and it's, you know, it's got a long, long history and I was telling one of my other, you know, shamanic type friends yesterday, oh, I went, really? I've never heard of the brooms. What are those used for? And I'm thinking, because a lot of what I learned in my shamanic training was from the elders who didn't share. The elders you had to watch in order to learn. You might have missed that they were out there sweeping their dirt floor. You know, you wonder, how do I sweep in a dirt floor? You know, but that the whole point was, was the moving of the energy, moving of the moving things here and there so that they could make way for spirit. And so that's what we have to do. We have to get out our brooms and sweep away what we think it looks like in order to show up where we really needed to be in service at the moment. You know, that is such a great point. And this is really getting out of our own way in terms of the ideas for how we thought it was supposed to look. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that for some of us, it is being that beacon for other people to learn and to be a messenger, right? For some of us, that is the job. But for some others of us, that's not the role. You know, our role is to be right back in the middle of society doing whatever job, you know, feels interesting and cool and showing up. You know, like you said, at the HOA, showing up in the community gatherings, showing up and being part of that fabric of society in such a mundane way. And this is where spirituality is in the mundane, right? That's where we learn that part of the lesson, because a lot of people are really, really excited by all the journeys and what plant medicine can activate, what amazing insight inside your brain or what visual or what crazy epic shamanic journey can you go on? And that is a really cool part of the journey. And I do love it. But equally as important to the journey is bringing your spirituality into the mundane, into the physical reality. That is actually the practice, right? Mm -hmm. In fact, I do the the Shaman's Cave podcast with Sandra Ingerman. And, you know, she was all excited about me going to the broom, the broom making thing at the beach last night. And she goes like, I think we should do a show where I'll spin and you'll cook. And I'm there like, well, maybe that's two shows. You spin, I'll talk. I cook, we have a conversation because 
I think that that's the part we forgot is we thought we had to go to these fire circles and we had to go away to camp in order to learn. And so then it's like there was this old thing in AA where, you know, how spiritual really are you when you go to meetings and then you walk out and you kick the dog? It's like, so are we kicking the dog or, you know, it's really nice in theory to be, oh, I'm so spiritual and I'm so awake, but am I happy when I wake up first thing in the morning? Do I look forward to this day full of, you know, excitement and, and with glee, you know, and I do, I mean, most days are like that. And uh, recently in my job, it's gotten really curiously out of sync and and I and I sit there and think like, well, do I still have value here? Do I have a purpose here? And is it fun to me now? Is it fun? And if it's not fun, why do it? Yeah, I think that when um, I, I'm a very focused person, let's say that. And I think as an entrepreneur, uh, whether you're a spiritual entrepreneur or any kind of entrepreneur, you do have to be focused. And and if you do have intentions or dreams in your heart, you do need to be somewhat focused and disciplined. Right? Discipline is an important part of any spiritual path. But you can also get expectations and you can get stuck on exp- I have had this happen to me so many times where I'm like, this is the way the vision said. I saw the vision and it's supposed to happen this way. <laughs> and it's like, my guys just laugh at me. They poke at me. And they're like, Carrie, just relax. I mean, because right now I've created it to be work, you know, mm-hmm. because it's not looking the way I want it to look. And I had a similar feeling like you were experiencing. It was like, wait a second, this is. I get up in the morning, first thing I light my altars is a ritual, but it had turned into a routine. Mm-hmm. I got to get this out of the way because I got to light the altars and bring everybody in so I can get on with my business. I'm busy. I got stuff to do. And I was like, what am I doing? And this is my sacred practice. And oh my goodness. Okay, take a breath. <sighs> so I started entering every day and saying, uh, you know, back to the mystery, asking the question, what is the highest and best way that I can bring my gifts and service to the collective today that would bring me so much joy and fulfillment that I just feel like I'm just dancing through life? What was, what was that for me today? Mama Earth, show me, you know, divine mother, mystery, show me. And my life is going a little bit better since I made that shift, right, Renee? Because I'm not clinging to the way I thought it should look and then trying to force that thing to happen. Absolutely. I just built a new house and it happens to be that um, my living space is on the upstairs. And so I have to go downstairs to let the cat out and and she'll whine down there if I don't let her out. So I have to really, we have to, we've got this routine going, but then I realized that when I go out, I'm facing East and what a beautiful thing, instead of getting annoyed that I have to run down the stairs and, you know, prop open the door so she can come and go all morning is to go outside on the on the patio and say, good morning, what a beautiful day it is today. And that has now become like the new morning ritual. And it's those shakeups like you just were talking about, like all of a sudden, yeah, writing or doing or whatever. My morning ritual right now is is pretty much, you talk about discipline. I work a full-time job. And one time I asked a mentor, well, how did he write that book? And she looked at me, she said, well, he got up an hour earlier every day. And so now that I'm really deep in the book, it's like five o'clock, Renee, get up because I need those two hours before I start the other part of the day to do the writing part of the day. And so there's a discipline 
And then there's the inviting spirit, inviting in the woman I'm writing with. She talks about bringing in that muse. And it never occurred to me ever in my whole experience to call in the muse to help me write. I was like, wow, that's kind of interesting. Even though Winds of Spirit seems like a channeled book, it never occurred to me to consciously call in some muse form that was going to actually help me assemble a book. That's amazing. Yeah. And that, that opening right to that, I'm going to have to get up an hour early mm-hmm. to bring this vision, this calling of my heart into being is so powerful, Renee. It's really a message I want everyone to receive right now. Cause I hear a lot of people say here and there, well, if it's meant for me, it's, it's just going to be easy and graceful and smooth and I won't break a sweat. And I'm like, uh, it hasn't been that way for me, you guys. <laughs> like, you got to break a sweat. You know, you're going to be expanded. You're going to be challenged. You're going to have to make a choice, a sacrifice. Renee is sacrificing an hour of sleep to do the calling of spirit. That's a sacrifice. And it's a sacrifice to make sacred, to make sacred that hour of time. So you are going to be breaking a sweat and doing something you don't want to do to fulfill that calling from spirit. So I always think it's amazing. People think it's going to be, I'm like, where do they get this idea from? And it's supposed to be easy and graceful because none of my spiritual path has been like that. Although I've had amazing, spontaneous, beautiful, graceful experiences embedded in the architecture of the discipline of the discipline mm-hmm. practice. Talk a little bit about that because you know, you're saying you had to go back into the workforce. I know you don't want to do all that. So how do you change your perspective on that too? Well, that's a really great, it's a really great point. And since you've written more than one book, so all of you people who think you have that masterpiece book in there, that's going to, you know, bring you like glory. So when Hay House picked up Winds of Spirit, I thought, here is my moment. I am going to be famous. (laughs) And that was probably one of my biggest spiritual disappointments ever was, yes, my book was at the Chicago airport and my mother found it in Portland, Maine. But that was just like the beginning of a new trail. And it it was like, for any of you who've been to Peru and hiked up Wine and it is like the beginning of the the latter part up to the top when you can hardly breathe because you're already exhausted and you still have the top to go down. And then if you think, oh, I've got a lot of extra energy, I'm going to go down the backside, forgetting that you're going to have to hike back out. That's what writing a book is. And then one of my friends and I are taking this writing accountability group together. And she wrote, both of our books came out around the same time, about five or six years ago. And both of us were like so (laughs) shell-shocked after the first book It took us that long to have enough courage to write another one because the work starts after the book is published. I mean, you work really hard. You put that dedication and you're inspired. And then all of a sudden you have to sell these books. And you know, so it is a call from spirit when you sit down to consciously write. I think the first book, you're naive. The second book, you're consciously in a relationship with spirit that says, this is your calling. This is what you're supposed to do. And it doesn't matter if anyone ever is going to read that book. You have a job to do. Yeah, that is really deep. That point right there, I've learned so many times through this process of being an author, is that it's very humbling. I put my heart and soul into my books. And 
you know, sometimes more than that, because you know, the, the book I wrote, Love is Fierce, Healing the Mother Wound, that included a whole lot of um, medicine ceremony, puking, and then, you know, intestinal problems <laughs> because <laughs> practice, I'm, you know, I'm processing things on behalf of the collective and on behalf of my ancestry that, you know, had to be released and had to be integrated and processed. And that happened through my intestines. So, I mean, we're talking like, this is a tough book, right? And so putting it out there and my, the book right before it was the second wave, I went great gangbusters, you know, it's still on the charts. It still is today, still internationally on the charts. Love is Fierce was number one international bestseller and then went, you know, it just kind of like died off. And I was like, what are you talking about? This book has medicine in it. It's so powerful. I can't believe it's not, you know, reaching more people's space. And so then when spirit was like, oh, you're going to record the audible for it. I was like, I'm going to put more time and effort into this book. I'm going to re I'm going to go through the pain of recording the audible for this book. What are you talking about? It's hardly going to make any money, but see, it's not about that. It's the vibration. It's the, it's the vibratory pattern. It's the healing we offer when we share our words into the collective it's already there as a frequency that can be accessed by anyone, even if they never read the book, right? So it's that that level of being in service, Renee, is so humbling, isn't it? It's like, because you meant your ego might not get any credit for it, you know, like zero, but you're a badass soul. They came here to the planet to do this work and you're doing it. But that's like that deep inner knowing, right? Not needing the external validation is such a part of the sage, is such a part of the messenger. Absolutely. And Winds of Spirit, um, for those of your listeners who haven't read it, I always felt like Winds of Spirit was taking the rock out in front of the cave, that the winds had been gone silent for, you know, 15,000 years since the last grand revolutionary of, you know, humans moving from hunter-gatherers into, you know, sedentary farmer-type people, was that the winds went silent because all of a sudden there was inter there were intermediaries and they were going to tell you what spirit said. So when I let this out, I I've known for a long time because sometimes I read it and say, I don't know who wrote this book. And even when we had it um, read in audio this year, I picked a man because the wind said, you need a, a masculine voice to read this. It needs to be a balanced feminine masculine on this. And when my editor, who she helped do it, she listened to it. She goes, you know, I, I edited your book and there are so many pearls of wisdoms that I missed the first time. This book is wise. And so when people are starting to find it like five or six years later and the shamanic community didn't quite know exactly where to put it, is this shamanism? Like, what is this? And then I realized that the reason I opened a farm-to-table restaurant 20 years before its time in a holistic healing center 10 years before the community was ready was because I was going to write a book that was probably going to be 20 or 30, 50 years before people were really ready to really fully embrace the wind as the direct messenger of spirit. And I was like, okay, I can go back to my life. It's that longer view of things, right? And it really does require the soul perspective. I think the soul perspective on it many, many lifetimes, you know, we, we've been planning this work for a long time. You had lifetimes architected for this. 
And of course, this is a lifetime where, you know, we get to plant the seeds of new work. We're planting the seeds and we, we might not in this lifetime get to see the outcome of those seeds, but we can take the shamanic journey. We can take the shamanic journey and see, I've seen the end of my lifetime with all my grandchildren, great grandchildren gather on my bed. I'm like, okay, this is where I, okay, I'm going to keep going. So we can give ourselves a faith and encouragement. And, and like my grandfather before me, six generations before dreamed me into being because right. I was him previously dreamed me into being, we dream ourselves into being in the future. So we will get a chance to experience it. If we just elongate our perspective about who's experiencing it, <laughs> you know, maybe we can deal with this momentary blip of no one really knowing what we're doing, but we're, we're doing masterful work right now. And, and so are you. And so what is, tell us a little bit more about wind work. What, what is this? This is a messenger of spirit. This is returning the winds to humanity to understand how to speak to the winds. Tell us more about it. I'm just guessing what it is. First, when I started writing the book, I thought winds of spirit. I thought, oh, wind is a great metaphor. That was my first perspective. And then all of a sudden, I started finding, I started mythology of wind. And then the next thing I know, I was in cross-cultural. I had found 150 wind gods and goddesses throughout over cultures. And the book has 32 of them in there because not all of them, you know, when like the Muslims came into Turkey, everything pretty much vanished about Yalana or, you know, in um, Latvian mythology, it's really hard pressed to where some of the, you know, the, the lore has been kept alive. But these winds revealed themselves to me. And one day I was with a client and she said, well, why don't we call up one of these winds? And that was the game changer. So we started. So today, what I thought I would do is like, I would just call up to a win for you. So you can actually, because shamanism is about direct revelation. So why don't you close your eyes and see what these wind spirits are all about for you? And if, if they resonate, then you can, you know, go to my website or to the book to find out more. This sounds really exciting. I'm really looking forward to this. Well, you might not be in about two minutes when I tell you the wind that decided to come in for the call. So the uh, the wind that came in is uh, Taiwa Matea, the New Zealand tempest wind, and it's about rolling with the storm. And all of the winds were there at the creation of this new evolution, and I believe we're at a new evolution of time as well, where this particular wind, the the wind, Mama Rangi and Papa Rangi, they were they were collapsed upon each other because their love was so strong. And so all of their their offsprings were, imagine this, sandwiched in between this love that had no air to breathe. And so this wind came through and separated, which is a kind of a, a talk about where we are right now, made a separation between Father uh, Sky and Mother Earth so that there could be movement and growth. And that's the wind that wants to come in and work with us. So you know, kind of maybe when I, when I blow the wind whistle three times, look into your own ancestor, your mother, your father, where it was collapsed in on itself, where you might need that air and that spaciousness to make movement in your own life. Okay. All right. I invite everyone to close your eyes and, and put your feet on the ground. And we breathe in, we're going to breathe in three times. The first time we're going to Breathe in the wind that we're breathing. And remember, we're all connected through the wind. So breathe it in and then scan your body. And then you're going to breathe out down through your coccyx bone, down into the belly of the mother, uh, Mama Rangi. 
And then we're going to breathe the second wind. We're going to call into Tyra Matea and have that wind come in and fill us up. Fill us up so that we can roll with the with the punches here. And then in the third wind breath, we're going to uh, we're going to bring in the father sky wind of the of the um, New Zealand so that we can connect to our breath to everyone around as we move and shake with the, the impending storms. All right. So breathe in. And hold it and um, fill up with that wind space. And as you breathe out, let that wind go down to the belly of the mother. Stay in your emptiness. And now you're going to call to the wind spirit, Tara Matea, come in here and show me, reveal to me what you're about. And breathe it out. And on that third wind breath, bring in the community, bring in the the wind sky into your life and into your practices. And as we breathe it out, let's see ourselves connecting to community. And what is the message for you? What is it that you could do with the wind when you have to roll with the storms? And when you're ready, you can open your eyes and come back to our podcast. Uh, so beautiful, Renee. I, I got so much from that, actually. The love together, my, I, I thought of my partner, Akeem, and I, and this love that came into my life seven years ago, my soul partner, my, my destiny partner. And, you know, we feel so called to be in service to community. And it's been an interesting journey aligning ourselves to manifest that potential. Yeah. And so this, when you said like it creates a space inside the love, I was like, well, that's because we're so like, I love you. You know, it's just like, we just needed to create more space to let more people in to enjoy this love with us. 
and create the room for that to move and flow and as it needs to and trust, you know, that the changes, trust everything that's unfolding. Oh, it's really beautiful. I felt like dancing, you know, I felt like I could dance in that space and just let it be what it wants to be. That's beautiful. Mm, how nice. What a wonderful, wonderful way. And if other people want to share, I'm sure you have a thread somewhere where people can share and tell us about your experience with the with the wind and how you experienced it and where else in your life you need a little air to grow. Yes. And I, I think it's beautiful that you brought experience into our recording today because that's what shamanism is all about is the recognition that it's an experience from the body, from the perception, from the totality of you, not just from your mind. And, you know, the only way to really get there is to be it, you know, and to be in the moment with it and call it in and see what happens. And everyone's going to have a different experience and that's perfect. So whatever your experience was, everyone listening, I do want to hear it. I know, I know Renee wants to hear it. So share it with us in the comment thread, because we want to know what that's about. Uh, what, what did you experience? Everybody can experience something unique and different. That's the beauty of shamanism. Mm-hmm. Oh, a message for everyone. It's a message for everybody, right? Yeah. What did you Absolutely. experience doing well, it? I went right back to where I went back to the broom making at the harbor last night, right at the edge of the water. Because when when she asked me what I wanted to dream, what I was dreaming was more expansion. And whenever recently, this the harbor that I look at out my window has been telling me, okay, you were talking about the wind, but what about the wind in the water, you know, like what about the combination of the wind in the water moving you and expanding you? And, and if you watch water, how it moves around things and the flow of it all. And I've been really, I can't say it's a metaphor because I'm feeling it more deeply in my body than metaphorically, but it's this expansion and contraction that's going on inside of my own space. Yeah. And our bodies are housing our houses, our temples for this life experience. They're not separate from the experience. It's not just an etheric experience. It's a body, right? And then the body is made of earth. And so we are also a cell of mother earth. So we are experiencing also on behalf of earth. So I I like to think of these nested dolls, you know, that are (laughs) Yeah, we're getting into the heart of things. Beautiful. I love this. Well, I know that you you have some wonderful things to share with everyone. Is there anything in particular you want to invite people to? Is it one of your books or some program that you have or something you'd like to invite people to? Well, I'm really inviting everyone to order up a copy, a new copy of Winds of Spirit. And if you already have it, maybe gift it to a friend. You can always find the Wind Whistler toolkits on my websites. They're handcrafted tools. But right now, because I'm trying to get a new publisher, I'm really trying to get people to keep my book, you know, selling and relevant. So that's my big request. That's my big ask. Oh, I love that. I love the transparency of that too. So everyone, authors, we always need readers who really enjoy our work to get up on Amazon and leave comments Mm -hmm. and leave reviews and share it out with friends because um, that's how we stay relevant. If you're doing that, you're helping us to get our message out. If you enjoy our work, you're helping us to be seen by more people and helping, like you said, publishers to know we have an audience here that appreciates what we're doing. So the greatest gift you can give an author is purchasing their book or their Audible or whatever, and then going up and leaving a review for them. So if you can do that today, 
for Renee. And if you can, if you have any time for me too, please do it, <laughs> you know, and we appreciate you. And then also leaving a review for this episode, share this episode out with anyone because that's going to help too. We just love that you're doing this with us. But thank you for staying with us through the whole conversation. Are there any last words of wisdom you have for people today, Renee? Go outside. Go outside. Be. Breathe, right? Use that wind, that air. And just remember, the wind you breathe out is going to go around the world. So what is that? what is that vision that you want to breathe out for the entire world? I love that. We're all sharing the breath, you guys. Beautiful, Renee. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And everybody listening, like I said, please do the reviews and the likes and the shares and all that kind of stuff. And here come your kisses. Renee, if you want to join me, we're going to give kisses to everybody. Here they come. We love Tristan. We're just going to kiss. With our breath, sending kisses and love into the air. And that was perfect for you anyway. with your topic and we'll see everybody thanks for joining us we'll see you next time on soul nectar show bye for now if you found even one gold nugget in this episode of soul nectar show will you do us a favor will you subscribe like and share this episode maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it we really really want to engage with you at a much deeper level let's be part of community together Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show.